Welcome to What Is It About the Weather? I'm your host, Mark Jelinek. I hope you've had an interesting and enjoyable intertwined weather week since we last talked. I know mine's been intertwined on a variety of fronts. The first one was, was some sad news. Shortly, I think it was shortly after I recorded the last episode, and you know, was even actually in post-production and getting it uploaded and everything, I, I got the news that uh, Matthew Parker who is the current AMS president, passed away suddenly. And it was a bit of a shock. I mean, this was definitely one of those cases where we didn't, you know, we didn't expect it to be happening. And, you know, just kind of a reminder, whether you're trying to avoid weather going into the storm and doing that for safety or whatever it might be, you know, going about your life, how quickly life can disappear around us. And, you know, so often we, we know people are in declining health or some people seem to go on forever. Uh, but this was certainly one of those cases. And, you know, fairly young guy and well-liked. I mean, it was just, you know, kind of one of those stunning moments. Now, one of the things that has come out of this is the American Meteorological Society has set up they, well, they've always had this fund that is provides travel grants for students, for instance, to be able to attend AMS conferences, and they are renaming that grant or that fund. I, I, I don't know if it's, you know, for, for all cases or if it's just a, a thing that they're launching now. In any case, there, there's this fund that you can contribute to if you want to. I'll put a link in the show notes um, if you're finding as you're listening to this podcast that you want to support weather in some way, this is a way to do that that, you know, again, allows some people that would not be able to attend these conferences to get there. Also had intertwined weather with, well, there was weather involved. I had a big storm come through the area on Tuesday, and actually in the interesting tidbit, I'll talk a little bit about it from a scientific standpoint, but I've got some construction going on around me, which has led to when they're blowing up rocks has led to timing changes with respect to the podcast, but it's also, um, you know, left a lot of exposed area and this, this storm, there was very strong winds. Winds came through and kind of kicked up a bunch of Georgia red clay dust, which is not necessarily the easiest thing to do. Um, and kicked it up into the parking garage where I live and, um, came out the next day and car was just coated in the stuff. And, you know, we're in, where I'm at, we're hitting pollen season, so it was. Uh, I'll, I'll just switch one color to the other. Now we turn into Georgia pines, and we get lots of green. In any case, lots of intertwined weather elements for me this week. Um, some interesting, some sad, uh, but just a reminder that you know weather's always touching us, right? So, since the goal here is to spend more time talking about weather and not so much about the weather, let's get into our main topic. This week, that topic is weather cancellations. Are they making us wiser or wimpier? All right, so let's start with a little context in any case. Now, weather cancellations, they've certainly evolved over time. I know when I was younger, about the only time a weather cancellation would ever happen, at least in any sort of advanced way, was school cancellations due to winter precipitation. Anything related to severe storms or lightning or any of those sort of things, 
it was more kind of in the moment. And I, I can even remember an event when I was young and playing a soccer game and a hailstorm started and everybody was scattering for the cars. But you know, there had not been any consideration. Now, the game was being played. It was pouring rain. Most of the parents were already <laughs> sitting in the cars. Uh, those of us playing the game didn't mind. I, I've always enjoyed playing in the elements, I guess. But the next thing you know, hail starts and everybody, again, just scattered. Everybody was running for their cars. And, you know, you would have never thought in that, that day and age about any sort of advance cancellation. I mean, yeah, a lot of times you knew rain might be coming, but we didn't have. I mean, even the radar systems, at that point in time, they were just becoming something used in weather. I mean, keep in mind, radar wasn't developed for weather. It was, you know, kind of cross-industry sort of thing after they were used in wars, and it was clear that weather was showing up. Uh, So that has evolved, right? Now, not only do we have radar and much more advanced radar than we used to have, you can detect potential tornadoes before they're seen, but you can also use the weather models and the advances we've seen in the weather models to project Yes, still some of those winter weather events. But again, back in my day, it was people got up early and made a decision, okay, we've got snow on the ground, do we cancel? I can think of one time in my life where they pre-canceled because there was an expectation of snow. And now the weather models are getting to a point where, you know, it's not uncommon when we have here in the U.S. a big snow event. And I'm sure it's, you know, same things around the globe where all of a sudden, particularly business travelers are have these major impacts because cancellations occur, they may get stranded where they are, they may not be able to make a trip. And I was reading an article, First, I guess first three months of 2015 was what this article was going over, had already seen just in the, you know, kind of the travel industry, over $2 billion worth of cost. And I mean, those are real hard costs, right? So we're using these technology changes to try to get ahead of the game, Okay. We're looking to kind of extend that window of where we might make adjustments. Again, in the beginning, it was more winter weather was a, was a big thing. And over time, that's evolved into things like trying to avoid scenarios where people might be exposed to lightning or hail or certainly tornadoes. But also other things. And we've talked about some of this stuff before with the global wet bulb temperature having this big implication for um, athletics, and I came across a, a book that talked about sudden death in athletes, and again, weather was an element of that, and this this heat, and not just heat, but the humidity element, contributed to death, and as we've talked about before, heat is one of those big killers when it comes to weather, but it doesn't usually just creep up on you, so you are able to work with it in advance, so whether it's, it's what we would traditionally classify as severe weather, whether it's these big pronounced, you know, winter storms or whether it's these just, you know, kind of temperature extremes, temperature combined with humidity, whatever it might be, or, you know, with wind chill, we always think of it being, you know, the the wind speed and, and the cold combined. With heat, we tend to do heat and humidity combined. But however you look at these components, our ability to see maybe hours or potentially days in advance, has changed to the order of billions of dollars. Now, how, you know, people's economic 
situations are impacted by these weather cancellations and or delays. I mean, you can throw delays in the mix. And it's not just in travel. You know, some of the travel stuff has always been there. Maybe it wouldn't have been as large scale. Maybe it would have been more regionalized as the events unfolded. But certainly that element was there. But, you know, another report I was watching is, you know, we, we get these severe weather worries coming out. We have a group here in the U.S., the Storm Prediction Center, who does these sort of severe outlooks. And it, it, and it's different sort of things. It could be severe thunderstorms like this one that I was in, uh, you know, an enhanced area this week for that. Or it could be tornadoes, whatever it might be. But people are making decisions based on this information, right? So they decide to postpone in an area Friday night sporting events. And, you know, at first glance, you're going, okay, some people are inconvenienced. they got to schedule another day. But actually, that's a big revenue maker for the high school and particularly the, the athletic group at the high school. And if they have to change that to another day, revenue's lost, right? Now, the flip side of that, of course, is are we saving lives? Are we saving property? In, in some context, are we also saving money? Because, you know, part of this is, is built on the economic realities. And as I've said before, everybody, if you look at an economic formula, everything has a dollar value, whether it's your time, whether it's your property, whether your life. Now, none of us like to put a dollar value on life, but trust me, an insurance company has done it somewhere. So at some point, you can kind of equate these things. And, and your, your time's a classic example of that. For some people, they never look at their time and say, no, I lost an hour because things had to be moved around. That cost me a certain amount. But a lot of people do, and a lot of people consider that. Of course, there are those hard costs. You know, whether it's travelers or sports, the interesting thing is even the insurance industry and how it's evolved in dealing with these cancellation delays. You know, trip insurance. Who used to buy trip insurance or even event cancellation insurance? It does exist. You can go out there and let's say you're planning a wedding and you're considering an outdoor component. You may buy that insurance to deal with just such a situation if you're going to be in a season where weather you know, could be iffy. And you've got to make adjustments to what your plans are because you're planning an outdoor wedding. And all of a sudden it rains. Or all of a sudden there's a risk of severe weather. Or, again, trip insurance. I mean, there's a lot of people who never bother. I don't usually buy trip insurance because I'm not always traveling in a situation where the benefits of the insurance are something that I would gain if I had to make changes in my plans. But if you go to areas like, you know, the Caribbean, and you're going during a time when a tropical cyclone or hurricane could pop through, you might darn well want to have trip insurance, and it may save you thousands of dollars. And then you're going to be one saying, oh, it was well worth it, right? And that gets into that economic equation. So whether it's whether it's our, our people, our persons, whether it's property, whether it's, you know, plans have to be changed, all these have an economic value to it. And... In the end, we get to this question. Okay, so we've had all these advances in technology, right? We've got better warning systems. We've got phones now that can tell us whether in the real time. Are we overreacting? Are we canceling and changing too much to where the economic value, there, it's too much on the loss side versus the saving side? And, you know, we don't, we don't need to talk profit and loss, but let's just say saving lives or saving your property or not spending your money is savings. The flip side of that is having to reschedule things, having to be at home and rearrange 
your world because of snow day and your kids are home or whatever it might be. You know, it's weighing those costs versus the advantages. And so often, you know, the people making the decision, if you make a decision not to go on a trip, you're making that and you're in control. But if an airline cancels flights throughout a region, there's not much you can do about it. If a school system decides, hey, we're going to delay when the students come in because there's supposed to be severe weather coming through about the time that they would be getting on buses and we we don't want to put them at risk. Well, you've got all the implications of that. Yes, more lead time, which I think we've gotten to, helps with that, right? But that doesn't necessarily change that no matter what the case is, if you've got to make a change to be at home versus being in an office when you were planning to be there, that's an opportunity cost that you can't recover right? That, that, that situation that's been presented, it's out of your control. There's real hard cost. Now, we get in this scenario where I think more and more people are able to work more flexibly, but the more elements you've got to consider, the, the less lead time, the more complications, depending on what the cancellation is, there may only be so much you can do. So let's say that blizzard doesn't materialize in any of the big cities. We've had one here in the Northeast lately where the rain snow line, lots of snow, but the big cities weren't all that impacted. So you you wonder, could the airlines have gone about their business, at least in some way? Maybe, maybe not. That change in the timing of when kids are going to school that messed up everything that you were doing for that day, you and a bunch of other people, and the weather didn't materialize. Right? So there, there, all these costs were incurred, all these changes, have to reschedule things, have to you know, make up the time somewhere else if it's a day lost, whatever it might be. Are we doing the right thing with those sort of decisions? So we get to this fundamental question. Are the changes that we're seeing and weather cancellations and delays making us wimpier or are they a reflection truly that we're wiser and we're using the information correctly now one element we haven't discussed in this and I do think it's very real and I've kind of talked about it in the past with sporting venues and some of the changes that I see there in how they're handling severe weather some of its liability and I hate to say that I but it but it's real we live in a day and age where something happens and people blame it's just what people do. Blame this, take you to court, sue you over this, sue you over that. And there's no doubt in my mind that that leads to a more conservative scenario, which is more likely to cancel, more likely to postpone. Yet on the flip side of that, you could argue that there are a lot of people in those decision-making positions that will put people at risk because they don't want to lose the revenue. So maybe those things offset. I don't know for sure. What I do know is that we have better ability to see in the future and in theory in theory maybe we are a little wimpier if that's how you want to define it we didn't walk to uphill both ways to school and blizzards but if that led to you losing your life or anybody losing their life well there's there's a cost to that so we've advanced from that standpoint in a way that suggests that maybe we are 
theoretically wimpier and that we don't expose ourselves to these severe events as often and these severe weather risk, but maybe at the same time, that actually means we're smarter. So maybe being smarter does mean being wimpier. Yeah, I was reflecting as I was thinking about this episode, I was reflecting about a a statement I had heard that there had been a school system that had essentially canceled school or sent kids home way early because there was a risk of a tornado of tornadoes breaking out. And that person was arguing the point that actually that was the wrong decision because that school, if there were a tornado, that school was probably the most stable building in the region. And the kids, again, certain tornadoes, it doesn't matter. Loss of life is going to be loss of life. And if it was a very strong tornado, it could eat through a school just like it could eat through a home or a trailer or wherever these kids might live. But their point was that for a lesser event or if you were on the fringe of it, there's a better chance that more people might have been saved if they were in that sturdier facility. Now, I don't know the answer. You know, you'd really have to evaluate the situation. But their point was, you know, a lot of times we make changes or we cancel events. And what it does is it actually puts more people at risk by doing that. An interesting way to think about it. And I think it's the same with all these things. I, I do think we, if anything, we tend to be more conservative given this information. We were worried about this litigation element. But I, but I think also that, generally speaking, most people don't want to put others at risk. So the evaluation process hopefully is a little more conservative. Now, I think there is a flip side to that. I think if, you know, let's take a sporting venue. If they were designed properly... Now, there's always going to be some events. I think in a case of a tornado, you know, postponing or delaying an event because there's real risk of tornadoes, it's a a tricky thing, right? Because if there's really a tornado, wherever people are outdoor and exposed, even if they're able to get to some level of safety, there could be loss of life. The flip side of that, though, is if it's anything but a tornado and and the facility is built properly, and there's a real plan about how to deal with, let's say it's a severe thunderstorm or those are working in the area and you can handle that. And I've seen it, you know, transpire at stadiums before. Then you might argue that the right thing is not necessarily to cancel the event, but to be prepared to deal with the delays or impacts of the event. But, you know, you get back to the same thing is let's say it's in a big city and let's say it's a sporting event and it's happening in the evening yet if there was a delay, it might lead to more people being downtown in an hour when public transportation or taxis or whatever techniques they're using to go home may not be as readily available. So actually canceling the event or postponing it to another day may have been a better option. Certainly there's cost, and certainly there may be people that can't attend at the rescheduled time. But if you save lives, property whatever it might be, and money in the scheme of things, maybe that's the better route to go. I don't know. I'd be interested to hear your thoughts. It's it's an interesting debate, and I can see both sides of it. And like I said, I think the answer might be, yeah, we may be a little wimpier if you want to use the standard that we're not exposing ourselves as much to extreme weather as we used to. But I'd like to think that we're also a little wiser in how we deal with the weather. advances in 
our technology that allow us to do cancellations and delays with a little more skill than just waking up and seeing if there's snow on the ground or waiting till the hailstorm breaks out. All right. So, you know, I mentioned last, I don't know, 20 minutes ago, earlier in the episode, that, that I had this kind of storm roll through in the last few days, right? And it got me back to this whole, people ask me a lot about speed of lightning versus speed of thunder. And I was reminded as I was thinking through the, the topic in general that I first learned about the difference between sight and sound and the rate that things travel, not from a weather event, which is what's common. Well, I, I may have from a weather event, but it didn't really hit me. It was seeing a tennis match played from a distance that actually got me the first time. I, I grew up with some tennis courts not too far away. And I remember watching and seeing, you know, the tennis ball being hit and then waiting for the sound. And, and that was actually my first lesson in that there are things travel at different speeds that are happening at the same time. Now, the answer is, the short answer is that lightning, the visual effect of lightning is more than 800,000 times faster than the sound that accompanies it. So just keep that in mind, just perspective there for a moment. So the short answer is if you see lightning, it just happened. I don't care if you're seeing it from afar. Like let's let's say you're up on a mountaintop and you're looking down and you can see whether, you know, a couple hundred miles away and you can actually see the lightning because it's nighttime. It just happened. That person on the ground that's right there looking at it essentially saw it at the same time you did. You may never get the thunder if you're a couple hundred miles away because sound waves generally from thunder their limits about 50 miles. There's places where it can get a little further with that with the right equipment, but for the human ear, it's about 50 miles. Speed of sound, roughly 340 meters per second. Now, what does that mean for you? You know, we, we all these things about counting from the time you see the lightning to when you hear the thunder. For those in the kind of the U.S. system, five seconds, one mile, generally speaking. For those in the metric system, three seconds to one kilometer. So use that however you will do the translation, but just know that one, if you can hear thunder. So that just means if you can hear thunder and 50 miles is the limit, you know, you can kind of work out the math, but if you can hear thunder, there's a good chance that you need to be thinking, huh, what's going on? And do I need to alter or change my plans when we get into cancellations? Any case, just, you know, Use that tidbit in, in how you're dealing with your cancellations and delays and deferments or whatever you want to talk about when it deals with weather and be a little wiser, even if you are a little wimpier. All right. We're wrapping up National Weather Podcast Month. Now, I've mentioned a few of the different shows in some of the past episodes over the month, we got one, one more episode this month, and I'm going to do a, a thing on expanding your weather world. And, and this is part of it, right? So I'm going to hit a couple that I haven't talked about just to make sure everybody's getting a fair shake, right? And these podcasts, whether it's this one that you're listening to or these others, are a good way to dip your toe into different aspects of weather. Some of them get into a little more detail about weather or talk about weather events, but they're presenting it from a I guess, a perspective of people that communicate this stuff quite often in many cases with the public. So it might be a way to, to dive in. 
And, you know, you always have the benefit there that you can pick and choose episodes if you don't want to listen to every one. But I'll also share a few other things about ways that you can expand your weather world, whether it's understanding the science more or the impacts of weather more, without having to do a full-blown go back to school and get a meteorology degree like I did. I did that so you don't have to right now. If you want to, sure, I'd encourage you to, but don't feel like you have to to yet enhance your knowledge and your understanding of the weather world going on around you. With that, let's call it a week. And I just want to take a moment to say congrats to Aaron. Aaron's a somebody who sent it in the, the radar apps were his idea uh, when we did an episode on that and talking about precipitation forecast and whatnot. So Aaron was the first to notice this week that I've been, speaking of dipping toes in, I've been dipping my toe into adding Facebook into the mix and how I keep people updated with what is it about the weather. So you can go into Facebook and see that there's a page now that you can, again, it's it's a page, so I guess you just like it, and that way you get the notifications from what's there. And, you know, Facebook's kind of an interesting animal for me. I see the pros being, you know, maybe I could share some stories that have a little more thought behind them, or I can add my opinion a little more. It's a little easier to do than it is in a Twitter or certainly than an Instagram or some other more visually oriented spectrum, you know, YouTube, whatever it might be. Yet at the same time, it's another channel to keep up with. And I am not a believer that you can do, there's times when you can do one announcement fits all, you know, one announcement fits Facebook, fits Twitter, fits Instagram, whatever it might be. However, I I find generally speaking that each one of the social networks has a different flavor of what's best for communicating via that channel. So we'll see how it goes. Like I said, I'm, I'm dipping in, but if you if you want to follow there, you can add that to the mix. And that gets into, how do you get hold of us? Well, you, I guess you could send me a message via Facebook, via the channel, if that's what you want to do. You could put a notification in there, whatever it might be. Of course, you can get us any of the same old ways, which is email. What is it about the weather at gmail.com? The website, you can go to the website and look at contact us. There's a nice form there, and it pops me an email. Oddly enough, that's what the form does. But, you know, sometimes that's easier than pulling out an email program. And, and again, feel free to touch base via Twitter or Facebook. If, if you like using those other channels for communication, I know not everyone does, and I get that. Um, I tend to have little clusters of groups, you know, whether it's people watching the episodes on YouTube or whatever might happen in Facebook, it will probably be some small subset, right? Because not everybody, I would say the vast majority of people, just like to consume the podcast, and that's fine too. But we appreciate your support, and you know the method that we talk about, RSVP, Rate, Share, Validate, and Pledge. Whichever of those methods you choose, it is appreciated. All those things help with making the podcast better, broadening the audience, which again, theoretically will make the podcast better because we get different feedback, different thoughts, different ideas. But in the end, it makes sure that we can go on doing what we're doing and have these conversations every week. And that's what we're here for at the moment, right? Because as we all know, there's much more to weather than the weather itself. We're tired of hearing our uncle gravel, so please support him on patreon.com slash weather. This is a two-word super production.